God is good and faithful. I'm just blessed to be in His presence today. Hallelujah. go into the Word here in a moment, just give it another minute, but you, if you have your Bibles, you can get ready and go to 1 Samuel 30. I've been toying with this Word for a little while, and there's a prophetic part to the Word, and we'll get through that, and then we'll get into the text itself that we're going to read. So you're going to have to bear with me. But this is a word for right now, for the body of Christ, and will speak to your life and help you. Glory to God. Battle before breakthrough. Last week we talked about you're anointed for the fight. Yes. Now we're going to be talking about the battle before breakthrough. Hallelujah. If you aren't ready already, you better get ready. Stir yourself right now for what the Lord will speak today. Yes. I'm just sensing the presence of the Lord. Father, come in this place. Come on, church, pray with me. Just pray and begin to ask the Lord to yourself that he'll come in and mess you up. Father, come. Into this place. And through this word today, God. Speak to our hearts and God accomplish what you've desired and placed in me, Lord, to share. Father, we recognize the enemy and opposition that would do everything they could to keep our ears from hearing, our spirit from receiving. But I thank you that, Father, we stand today, God, and we call upon your name in the authority of which, God, you've given in our rightful place and that father that your word will go forth that it will accomplish lord what you've sent it to do your word says even that your word won't even return void it it can't go come back to you until it's done what it said so father i receive this word today that god it will come and do what you've said that it will in the lives of your people i thank you that father that we'll see much fruit much fruit god from your word today so do what only you can anointing of God come into this place fall and do what your word says there father destroy every yoke that would strangulate and hinder and complicate God us from receiving what you have now God will give you the glory and the honor and the praise in this place from our lips God we give you all praise and all glory right now, mighty God that you are. We love you. I thank you in advance, God, for breakthrough. I thank you in advance, God, for a word that will provide hope 
God, I thank you in advance for for word that will be like a life raft to somebody. I thank you in advance, God, for what your word will do in this region. And even how this word, God, won't just be for these people, but it's a word to to the the, the church as a whole. That, God, it's a word for such a time as this. God, I thank you and I praise you, God, for great outcomes. I thank you, God, for, for mighty things that we be done. In the name of Jesus Christ, we give you praise and glory. Amen and amen. 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 Hallelujah. First Samuel chapter 30. Check this out. We're going to read quite a few verses beginning in verse 1. We'll do 1 through 10, then I'm going to jump down to verse 18. Hallelujah. There's so much goodness in this chapter. I told a pastor friend yesterday I could spend a month out of here. Watch this. Oh, Lord. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south of Anziklag, attacked Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken captive the women and those who were there from small to great. They did not kill anyone but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burnt with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Think about that just for a moment. That David and the people who were with him, they lifted up their voices and they wept until they had no more power to weep. Have you ever wept so much, cried so much that you didn't even have the strength to cry anymore? Verse 5, and David's two wives, isn't he a lucky man? Ahinam and the the Jezreelite and Abigail, the widow of Nabal. The Carmelite had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. Your Bible might say, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, Abimelech's son, please bring the ephod here to me. But Abiathar brought the ephod to David. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, oh, thank you, Lord. God answered and said, pursue. That word right there is a word for you. Pursue. For you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the 600 men who were with him, and came to the brook base sore, where those stayed who left behind. But David pursued he and 400 men. Look, not everybody went with him. For 200 stayed behind who were so weary that they could not cross the brook. Now drop down to verse 18 and 19. 
Oh, hallelujah. Here's where the story takes a turn. So David recovered all. So David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. And nothing of theirs was lacking, either small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them. David recovered all. My God, what have we been saying over the last few weeks? Nothing missing, nothing lacking, and nothing broken. Uh-huh, nothing missing, nothing lacking, and nothing broken. David recovered all. Are you with me? Hallelujah. I love this story. There's some good stuff here. And I'm going to dump it all on you right now. So get ready. Say, I'm ready. Come on. Nothing lacking. Notice what that word said. There was nothing lacking, whether great or small. Nothing lacking. And there's some key principles in this text that we want to be able to get to to help you understand how David was able to get there to that place of recovering all and nothing lacking. There are some things, but I, I want to set this up for you before we can really come back to the text, if you'll bear with me. Hallelujah. See, this text is powerful, and there's some goodness to it, but there's some relating texts that, that tie into here just wonderfully and beautifully, and, and, and many other things that I've heard the Lord speaking that I want to share with you this morning. Because God does not bring you and I out of something he brings you and he doesn't just bring you and I out of something. He also brings you and I into something. He doesn't just bring you and I out of one place or one location or one situation, but God always brings you into something. You need to understand that. I want you to remember in Acts chapter two, the Bible says in about verse 17, it says that in the, that it shall come to pass in the last days says God, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. That our sons and daughters shall prophesy. That our young men shall see visions and our old men shall dream dreams. And on his maiden servants and on his maidservants, he says, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. They shall prophesy. I want you to understand it's important that in these last days that there is a voice of prophecy. It's what his word says in the last days. It is necessary and it is needed. I don't really care if it freaks you out because it's not about your comfort. It is important. It is imperable in the last days that there is a voice, that there would be a prophetic voice, that God has something to say to you and God has something that he wants to say to the church. And I really believe that God is raising up of some voices that need to speak. Stay with me. It's about to get good. Hallelujah. He says even in Joel chapter 2, I almost could have preached out of Joel 2. Joel 2, if you're not familiar, says, Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. Then it goes on to say how God will restore what the canker worm, right? The palmer worm, what the locusts have eaten, all right? 
So I, I got to drop some of this on you quick so we can get back to the text. But I'm setting you up for something good. He says that he'll restore even what the locusts have eaten, what the other worms have eaten several weeks ago when we had to do a, a church by internet only. You remember I used that text and I gave you a word about what all of those represent. But that stuck out to me because of where we're going to go today when God says that he will restore what the locusts have eaten. I want you to get ready because God is going to restore what they have eaten, what has, what, what has been taken, what has been destroyed in our life. And the only way you're going to understand what that means in Joel 2 for you is you need to understand uh, what devours locusts. I did a really neat message a few years ago about locusts. And in that message, I told the church, y'all remember to know what locusts, we get like a kind around here, our cicadas, you know, and it freaks some of you out because they cling and they're big and they're loud. And when I did that teaching, because several times throughout scripture, the Bible speaks of them. It was awesome to learn and find out that years ago, in order when, when, when cities and regions would be plagued with locusts, in an effort to try to destroy them, cities would, would build trenches around them. And they would light fires around the cities in an attempt to destroy the locust. But see, the locusts are so persistent and so relentless that, watch this, the locusts will give up their life in the fire to put it out so that their friends can cross over. In other words, some of them will jump and leap into the fire by the hundreds and the thousands and just enough space to put the fire out enough to where the others can cross over to devour what is that, whatever is encompassed around it. Hello. See, that's how relentless you need to understand the enemy will often come at you and I. He'll do whatever it takes to get to you and I to steal, kill, and to destroy. That's why the Bible says that that's what the enemy does. He seek, roams to and fro seeking whom he may devour. And that he comes to steal, kill, and to destroy. But Jesus has come that you and I might have life and have it more abundantly. So I say all that to help you understand how relentless sometimes opposition will be. But here's the good news. I, I said you need to understand what devours locusts. And all through Scripture, even though we understand that locusts were used as a plague against people, and, and, and we've seen it over and over again, we, we only see one time and one instance where locusts had something that would devour them. And we just spoke of him really just two weeks ago, right? And it's when John the Baptist came on the scene. Oh, hallelujah. And the Bible says he was a strange man. Y'all you better get ready. He was a strange man and he dressed in camel's hair and, and, and would, would, would go out into the wilderness, right? He wasn't like everybody else and he didn't need the church to have church, but he would take church into, into the, uh, the barren places and into the desert, right? Into the wilderness. And, and so the Bible says that, that, that John the Baptist, the same man that said, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The Bible says that, that John the Baptist was a man that he didn't just wear camel's hair and look strange and act a little bit peculiar, but he was a man that he would eat locusts. Oh, Lord, I know some of you maybe tried them too whenever they were, we were plagued with them here in chocolate and all that, but, but watch this. He was a man that ate locusts. Now, who was John the Baptist? 
We need to understand something that's powerful about who he is. That remember, locusts are an unstoppable plague. They're, they're, a, they're a curse, right? They're, they're a curse. But the only thing that can stop the locust is who ate the locust. Now, pay attention. John the Baptist, a, a prophetic voice, has to be raised up. John the Baptist was a prophetic voice in his hour and his time. And I heard the Lord was beginning to speak to me in the hour and the time that we are in. And that now more than ever, that what we need in the church are true and absolute prophetic voices. Because he was raised up and, and the Bible says that he ate locusts. He ate what was a plague to everybody else became a meal to him. What am I trying to say? That God will raise up a prophetic voice that will devour what is cursing a nation and will devour what is cursing a people. Does anybody hear me other than me? Hallelujah. That's what God is desiring to do. You know what we've done in the church is we've been quiet for far too long. When COVID struck, a lot of people got real quiet and they just shut down their churches and they, and they, got, they got intimidated. And, and when, when, when things are going on in our country, the, 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 most of the church is afraid to speak to all the hot button issues. Come on. I said it last week. We become cowards in the pulpit. Afraid to speak truth to, to issues that are dividing everyone. Don't you all get quiet on me now. What God needs and what God is saying to the church is in this hour right now, in the last days, he said that there was a need for the prophetic voice. It's not a time for you and I to get quiet. It's not a time for you and I to think, oh, I don't want to say anything. But really, what is trying to devour us as a nation, what might be trying to divide us even as a nation, God's saying he needs to raise up people with a prophetic voice that the that will devour what is cursing a nation and trying to curse a people. Hallelujah. In other words, let me let me say it this way. In other words, that 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 that, that God is trying to raise up a people that that will eat some locusts when they need to. Not literally, but but spiritually speaking, that you what what is trying to destroy people, you and I will you will have for a snack. It will just be for a meal. Are you hearing what I'm saying today? Hallelujah. In other words, we don't care what our situations that we're facing. We don't. It doesn't matter what things might look impossible in the natural. God is wanting to send a voice to you and I today that is going to prophetically position you and I to an ascended place and a high place in Him. Hallelujah. I want you to say out loud, I'm getting ready to recover. Oh, say it like you believe it. I'm getting ready to recover. See, while, while there was a great outpouring of God's Spirit, we have to understand there was also a great battle. That our blessing is always in the battle. Hallelujah. See, our promises always come with persecution. I found this to be true. The promises of God always come wrapped in the package of persecution. But we have to have the mindset and the attitude, I will not allow my trials to be wasted. Because the life that, the life that God put in you and I is larger than often the life that we're living. That there is a battle always before breakthrough. And if you and I aren't careful, if we, if we can't handle the persecution, we'll end up forfeiting the profit. That's good. We have to be able to endure and handle the persecution of life so that we can receive the profit of this life. The, 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 the profit from the battle. Hallelujah. We're often stronger than what we, we imagine that we are. Hallelujah.
You see, if you and I think back, the reason David was so successful, not just in the text that we read here, but, but even, even he was so successful even, even uh, uh, against Goliath. It's because Goliath, if you remember, was taunting the children of Israel and, and no one was saying anything. No one was talking back. Remember, the Bible says that he was taunting when, when David arrives on the scene and taunting even the people and boasting almost about that, that no one could really do any harm to him. And he was taunting them and everyone out of fear, we'll get there in a moment, out of fear just said nothing. Nobody was talking back. But there was a voice that God began to raise up. A voice that God began to raise up. In other words, as long as you and I allow the enemy uh, to, to speak to our family and to speak over our lives and to get in our head, he'll have a heyday with you and I. He, if, as long as we allow the enemy to speak and we never say anything back, he, he will win in our families. He'll win in our finances. He'll, he'll win in our nation, right? But it, it's important that we, uh, we allow our, the voice that God has placed within us to, to rise up and to say something back. That's when David arrives on the scene. And David spoke up and spoke out when nobody else would and stood before, right, that, 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 that giant, right? He had something to say against all the odds. It didn't make sense in the natural. Little old David standing against the, the, this mighty giant. But, but he had something to say. He had been sent with word. Hallelujah. So he had something to say in the midst of that hour, that time. Glory to God. See, you and I've got to remember just like that story, just like the text that we're reading today. What did we say last week? We are anointed for the fight, right? We're anointed for that fight, right? We, we, I, I said that it's a fixed fight, right? Amen. Even the Word of God says, thanks be to God who hath already given you and I victory through Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Now, the Bible says in 2 Timothy, he says, in the last days there will be perilous times. Trust me, we're getting somewhere. Just hang with me just for five more minutes. And then we'll get to this text. The Bible says in the last days, there will be perilous times that they'll come. Perilous, meaning dangerous times. Hard to bear, troublesome, harsh, painful. Or a society that is barren is what it means. But what I want you to understand is when the Bible says that in the last days, there will be perilous times, one of the great and most exciting things for you and I is that for you and I to realize that God put you on this earth for such a time as this. To do damage to the enemy. You need to understand, for such a time as this, you could have been born in any other time frame in the world. You could have been, er been born earlier than you were, but God chose you to be born in this hour. God chose us to be born in this hour. So when you are feeling weak and weary and feeling like you have nothing to offer, you have to remember one thing, that God created you and His likeness and His image for such a time as this. In other words, you are a force to be reckoned with. That there is, uh, there is He that, that, is, that is dwelling on the inside of you has given you something, that you possess something, that you are carrying something right now to do damage to the enemy. That's why this isn't a word just for someone who flows in the prophetic. This is a word for everybody in the body of Christ to know that you possess a weapon of mass destruction on the inside of you. You might not know what it is yet. You might not have any idea, but you possess 
missed that and you have been born for such a time as this, hallelujah, to do damage to the enemy, to, 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 to do damage against the enemy. He's put you and allowed you and I to live and be born during these dangerous times. For what? To advance the kingdom of God. That's what we're here for. That's what the church is here for. That's what we do is we're here to advance the kingdom of God. Not my agenda, not a church's agenda, none of those things. I don't need your agendas. I know some people have their own agendas, but the real church that this word is speaking of, I, I can't preach to all the church. I can preach to you. I know there are people who have agendas. I get that. They're, that means they're not kingdom builders. When you and I are interested in building our kingdom and our people and that, that sort of thing, that is not a God thing. All right, that is a man thing. This is a word for people who are interested in building something that is bigger than us and is greater than us. We just get to be a part of it, all right? You and I get to be a part of, of the kingdom building of what God wants to do. Hallelujah. And so you and I are strategically placed in this time. Think about that. Use that against the devil, right? Uh, right? When he tries to come in and speak to you and I and, 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 and intimidate us and cause us not to do what we've been anointed and appointed to do, when you and I start feeling sick or weary or we start feeling like we're broke or defeated, when, when all those same things keep happening over and over again, you need to start using that in your arsenal and reminding the devil that you have been born and anointed for such a time as this just to, just to irritate the enemy, just to... To, to, to wreak havoc against hell. Amen. That's what you and I were placed here for. That, that God that dwells on the inside of you, there is greatness on the inside of you. And for this hour, for this time. So in other words, God's saying we have to stop just playing church. God's saying to you and I, he needs you and I to be the church. Hallelujah. Oh, yeah, I know that won't make you shout. But the truth of the matter is, is God doesn't need us just playing church and having cute church. God has prepared you ever before he positioned you. So you have been prepared long before you, 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 you came up on what is confronting you right now. He prepared you before he positioned you. I've learned one thing about God and how things operate in his kingdom, that my crisis just makes me better. The crisis that you and I face, it, it just makes me better. Amen. I'm not going to keep cursing my crisis. I'm just going to start thanking God for the crisis that it's working for my good. I thank God that my battles always bring forth my breakthrough. Hallelujah. You, you got to hear what I'm saying. The battle, the, the, in the text that we read, it was the battle that brought forth the breakthrough. Hallelujah. It is the battles of this life that will always lead you to a breakthrough. Nothing comes easy. Nothing ever. It is the battles that will always lead you to breakthrough. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. What is a breakthrough? Here, here's the definition I've come up with that I love the most. A breakthrough. When, when, when we say that God has a breakthrough or, or there's a battle before breakthrough, here's what a breakthrough is. It's an offensive thrust that, that penetrates beyond a defensive line in warfare. Uh, a defensive thrust. See, God isn't just raising up a people that, 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 that say, go ahead, devil, beat up my body. Go ahead, devil, take my family. Go ahead, devil, take all my money. Go, go ahead, devil, do whatever you want to do. God is trying to raise up a people in the church that will be an offensive thrust against the enemy. Hallelujah. Well, there's a few of you. That's all we need. 
We're going to get to the good part. I'm just trying to lay a foundation for you so you understand where we're going. God is trying to raise up a people that will be an offensive thrust. In other words, we're not going to cower or bow down to what comes against us or what opposition comes against us, but instead we'll be an offensive thrust. We're going to push back against whatever pushes against us. Hallelujah. A breakthrough believer is not one that's just quiet or sitting or, or, or defensive or passive. Hallelujah. We've been passive far too long, going along to get along. But God wants you and I to be an offensive thrust. Meaning when the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, that the violent will take it by force. Amen. He needs you and I to, to do what we need to do. Amen. That we, we, we have to be able to and be willing to sometimes look crazy for the kingdom. Not worry about what people might say if they say you're a fanatic or that we're crazy or that we're some kind of Jesus freak, amen, that we're going to be an offensive thrust against the enemy. I don't know if you, anybody in here has ever lost anything or been through anything where you felt like you were a play toy of the devil. Oh, come on. I know what it is to feel like day after day you feel like just a, a play toy, like our cats play with their, their ball and yarn, you know, and they bounce it all over and claw. I know what it is to sort of feel like that. And so what God is wanting you and I to know is in the last days, yes, these are dangerous times, perilous times, barren times. But God is trying to raise the church to be a church with a backbone. To have men and women of God that would have a backbone and stand against two and not get quiet, not have a word, but that you and I would, would have a word and have a prophetic voice against what, what the enemy is doing that can speak life and health to all those who hear it. Hallelujah. Praise God. He wants to raise up a prophetic voice. Now, I've learned one thing about enemies in my life. My enemies do far more for me than my friends have ever done. And that's word right there. It's true. See, Jesus, Jesus could have fulfilled everything with, with, with any of his right, disciples, but not without Judas. Jesus had to have Judas. See, if Judas the betrayer did not kiss him, right? Remember, that, that, that's why when Peter comes and, and tries to stop the crucifixion, Jesus says to him, get thee behind me. And, and he calls him an enemy. Peter. But the Bible says that when Judas came and kisses him, Jesus says, do what you have to do quickly, my friend. Calls Peter an enemy and Judas a friend. And the reason that he calls him a friend is because if you don't have a challenged adversary in your life, it never puts you in position for your purpose. Oh, see, the church always just wants to run the devil off and do glory marches and, 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 and do that. But instead of just thanking God that we have an enemy that helps to bring forth my purpose, that thanking God, instead of you and I uh, getting mad at the people who ever betrayed you and I, you and I should start thanking God for the people who turned against you. Start thanking God for the people who won't talk to you anymore. Start thanking God for the people who talk about you now, who cause you trouble and, and are mean to you. Come on, I, I must be the only one with enemies in here and people that don't like me, all right? 
but they do far more for me than my friends ever had. Friends are great and nice, and they'll smile, and they'll be there, and they'll send you a cute card once in a while, and, and I appreciate them, and we'll go to lunch and dinner. But even still, the longest and greatest friends you have didn't do as much, hallelujah, for me as my enemies have because they help position me for purpose, and they'll help position you for purpose like they did Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank God for your enemies. Thank God for what they're accomplishing and what they're bringing forth in your life. It's scriptural. It happened all throughout Scripture. Every 2,000 years, God always raises up a, a, a deliverer. Right? Look back in Old Testament. Moses was a deliverer, and Moses had a Pharaoh. Right? He had someone opposing him. You move uh, 2,000 years later, and then there's Jesus. And Jesus had who? Herod. My God. And then God started speaking to me, and I said, well, God, you're raising up a, a deliverer. You do it every 2,000 years according to Scripture. I said, so God, who are you raising up? Oh, Lord. I said, who are you raising up? And it's not a person that God is raising up. God wants to raise up out of the crevices of darkness. Remember how the Bible says that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. And that which remains. I believe that the last great deliverer that Jesus will raise up will be the church of Jesus Christ. Uh-huh. With a corporate anointing. See, we've been talking about the anointing. Not an anointing that rests on one person or two people or, or pulpiteers and, and TV preachers, right? Not, not that kind of anointing where it just falls on, on mega churches. But a corporate anointing that falls across those that remain after the shaking. See, there was a shaking that began what, 20 years ago in the body of Christ. September 11th, 2001. Most people didn't have an ear to hear, but that wasn't just something that happened in our nation. That was something that happened to the world. It changed the course of the world, and from that day forward, things began to shake. In about 2005, 2006, uh, uh, the shaking intensified. And it's continued to do so ever since. And we've seen Names of people that have been well-known fall. Because the Bible says that everything that can be shaken will be shaken. We've seen unbelievable things, disappointing moments in the body of Christ. Amen? Because there has been a shaking going on. There's been, been things happening in the body of Christ. God, Because God's not interested in having platform celebrities and what he's doing in the last and final hours. Amen? He's not interested in that. That's why there's a lot of people that aren't making it. Some of you and I know people who, who aren't in church and aren't connected anymore. It's because of the shaking. Doesn't matter how many phone calls we make or text or how many times we reach out to them, they're just still not there. It's because the shaking was too much. Oh, see. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Are you still with me? why some things have been taken out. That's why there's been some things that were a part of our life and some people that were a part of our life that are no longer a part of our life. But I've learned something. 
I've learned that if, 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 it's, if it isn't part of your destiny, then you and I can't keep it. But if it is part of your destiny, that you and I can't lose it. And so I'm not going to mourn over who's not there and who isn't here and who is and try to get people to be a part of something they aren't. Because if it isn't part of my destiny, I can't keep it. And if it is part of my destiny, I can't lose it. Hallelujah. So I'm not going to try to force something that does not fit. Oh, in the ultimate plan and kingdom of God. Thank you, Jesus. Now, we're about to get into the text that we actually read, but I got to share one more scripture with you that goes along with all of what I'm telling you. Hopefully, I didn't lose you. I was telling Pastor Donnie about this yesterday. He's like, my Lord. Tell him where all I was going. He said, you better narrow this thing down or you're going to be there still tomorrow evening. I said, yeah, I will. Isaiah chapter 50, 51, 52, 53. The eagle-eyed prophet Isaiah was speaking in a singular manner in those first three chapters or so. And speaking to the people of a season of suffering. Before he goes on to something different in chapter 54. So he goes from seek, speaking just to an individual nation in the first couple chapters. And in chapter 54 of Isaiah, the very first verse, he goes from speaking to one nation to speaking to the church. And Isaiah 54 begins, Sing, O barren. Now, if you remember a little few moments ago, I used that word barren. About the, in the last days will be perilous, or dangerous, or barren. And Isaiah says to sing, he gives you an I command. He says, I want you to sing, O barren. What does it mean to be barren? Here's what it means. To be barren means to be hamstrung. How many of you football fans know what a hamstring injury is? Mm-hmm. For everybody who else that doesn't, it's painful. It's bad. It'll end your season. All right. He says, sing, O barren. He's speaking to the church who has been injured or limping. I know none of us have ever seen the church limp or ever seen a bunch of hurt people or ever seen a bunch of injured people. But he says, sing, O barren. He says, to everybody who's ever been hurt or, or like that has a hamstring injury, to everybody who's ever felt ineffective or powerless, that's what it means, or, or, or as the result of something or, as, or, or has come as a result of injury, he says, I want you to sing. In other words, to sing, he says, I need you to emit a sound. I'm going to bring all this together. 
In other words, he says, in the face of opposition and injury and how the enemy would want to quiet you, I need you to emit a sound. See, that's why when we worship, sometimes we'll say, come on, give the Lord praise in this place because you and I need to emit a sound even in the face of what we might be feeling powerless about or how we've injured. See, the church has lost our voice. The church has lost our voice. The, the White House used to seek out our opinions and our prayers. Oh, come on. They, they, they used to have us sitting around tables on a regular basis, every administration. Now they're not as, uh, as interested in that these days anymore. The last several years, they haven't wanted to really do that. We're only a part when it comes to get votes. Let's just lay it down. I'm just going to tell you the way it is. But to actually be there and, and, and have a great impact, often it's more calculated. Oh, I know, you're afraid I'm going to say something I shouldn't. See, everyone gets nervous right away. He's going to get political. But we have to realize in the days and the times that we're in, and the church has got to be able to have a voice and know what to say and when to say it. Glory, hallelujah. This is a word, Isaiah the eagle-eyed prophet. He went, he was talking to, to the nation, and then in the next chapter he switches and says, okay, I'm done talking to the nation. Now I've got to speak to the church, and he's speaking to the church of right now. He says, there's going to come a time where the church is going to become hamstrung. You're, you're, the church will limp along. Come on. It may not be our church, but collectively the church of this nation. Let's look. There's a lot of churches that are limping along. They're, they're doing stuff, but they're not really accomplishing anything, right? They, they're having services, but it's not kingdom building. I'm going to preach to myself. We're, we're going to have them worship, but it's not really laying ourselves down before God. We're preaching messages, but it's just anointed. It's just something recycled and, and reused. Some preachers will get their word out of the Reader's Digest or regurgitate it, whatever their denomination sends them. I know that this is true. I have pastor friends who tell me they just send it out to them in an outline and they preach it. Because we're hamstrung. Because there's nobody who has a voice to hear what the Lord is saying right now. There, there are very few people. I, I mean, all through COVID, there wasn't a whole lot of prophetic voices speaking to it. Instead, let me just say what happened. When, when COVID hit and everybody got freaked out, what did they do? They attempted to inflict fear. I don't really care what you believe. Let me just tell you how it is. They started to say, if you don't get this shot, you're going to die. If you don't wear a mask, you're going to die. What did they try to do? Put fear in you and I. They tried to make you and I afraid of something that we could not see, that we didn't know what to believe. And we, some of us started trusting them. And even now, they still don't know what is true. Two different White Houses, a whole bunch of new people in Congress and all, and nobody still knows what's going on. Hallelujah. But they're still trying to inflict fear. Right? And what was one of their solutions? Oh, people could go to casinos, but they could not come to church. The virus was safe in there, but we were an epidemic. And what did we do as the church? We shut down. Because we're hamstrung. We don't have anything to say. And then, and then the, the churches that did stay open in defiance, they stayed open in defiance, but they really didn't have a prophetic word. Oh, come on. I know some of them got arrested and were on TV and all the church was like this. Yeah, but what were they saying? What were they saying to the rest of us? Where's the prophetic voice? Hello? We're going somewhere, I promise. 
He said, sing, O barren. He said, church, I need you to emit a clear sound. That's what it means to sing. Emit a clear sound. He said, in other words, have something clear to say. To those that are hamstrung and injured, to those that are limping along and barely getting by, to those who have been obviously injured in the body of Christ. Has anybody else ever been afflicted by church hurt? There's no hurt like church hurt. You know, because when we get mad at you, we're out for blood. I must have always grown up in the bad churches. My dad must have been the preacher in all of the wrong churches. I don't know. But I know what it is to be church hurt. I know what it is when I was eight years old and literally just learned to play the piano. And I'll never forget it. And, and because of an eight-year-old boy learning to play the piano, it split the church. Because they clapped their hands and things started getting a little bit, you know, the Holy Ghost started taking over. And it wasn't because of me, necessarily. And it split the church. And I'll never forget it. I wanted to quit right there. I thought if this is what church people are, in my little eight-year-old mind, I was like, screw you. Come on, let's not be so proper that we act like we don't just get an attitude once in a while. I had an attitude with church people. They, they love you until you do something they don't like. And then get. And then we'll vote you out. And then we'll replace you. You're replaceable. Oh, come on. We moved on from there and it happened again. And again. Church people. You're going to have none of that talking and tongue around here. None of the other pianists, when they play, do people clap their hands too? Why, everybody got to do with me, so I got the blame. It'll cause you to be hamstrung. It'll cause you to have an injury, to be hurt. Oh, glory to God. I'll move on so we can get where we need to go. In other words, the eagle-eyed prophet Isaiah, he knew that the church would go through a season of transition and transformation. That's why you and I need to understand this is so important. I'm building this. Is that he was speaking to a time when the church would go through transformation and transition. And he wanted to remind you and I and give a prophetic word to say, church, you need to have a clear voice and something clear prophetic to say to the people. Because everything that can be shaken will be shaken. That which will remain will be of God. Isaiah goes on and he says to the church, he said, enlarge the place of your tent. In other words, God was saying and giving warning to the church that, that, that God was saying he, he, he's building a bigger stage for the church. And we have to be ready. We're not just trying to buy up properties so that we can own them. No, we're, we're, gonna, we're listening to what Isaiah said. He'll create a bigger stage, a bigger platform, bigger influence. Are you hearing me? Glory to God. Glory to God. See, we are the generation that God has set up to recover all things. This is where I'm going. We're the generation that God has set up to recover all things, all things. How much did David recover? The Bible says all, all things. See, you and I are the generation to recover all things, but we have to receive this this first part of this word so that we can be a people who can recover all. These are things that David understood about who he was and who God had created him to be. 
See, we're not just a part of the kingdom of God so that we can get a house or so that we can get a car or so I can get a spouse. But God has assigned and set you and I for such a time as this. We're here to take back from the enemy and advance the kingdom of God. That's what we're here to do. We are here to take back from the enemy. Say, I'm here to take back. Uh Uh-huh. From the enemy. That's what we're here for. First and foremost, I'm here to take back from the enemy. I'm not just here to let him keep playing with me or taking from me. I'm here. Uh, You and I are here as an instrument and an agent on assignment to bring forth who God is in this earth. We have a greater assignment than what we even realize. Let me me put it to you this way. Satan Satan has a lease, but his lease is about to expire. All right. Satan has had a lease on life, but his lease is about to expire. Oh, hallelujah. Why? Because you and I, the church, are, are figuring out who it is that we are. We're learning more and more about who I am and who we are and, and what authority we possess in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. So the enemy, one of the things he's been trying to do in the church and even more recently, I believe even like I said through COVID is, is, is a spirit of fear. Last week when we were at the altar, I, I, I called it a spirit of terrorism. Which is from a spirit of fear. And it's all throughout scripture do we see this taking place. Even back in the book of Nehemiah, I think it's around chapter 6, the Bible says that, that, that Nehemiah had to boot out Tobiah. Because he had gotten uh, in the midst of the, uh, he had gotten in the midst of their worship and and, and, and and the offering and the tithes and, and even in the priesthood and he had brought in this this sort of spirit of terrorism against the people. Terrorism is an unlawful threat. Come on, all around our nation, there's there's things that are they're, they're, people are trying to inflict fear. We've seen in the recent years that Asian hate. People just walking down the street and punching them in the face. So that, that, that if you're of that race, you're afraid. All kinds of other divisive things that are going on, right? Making us afraid to be who we are. Am I talking the truth? Making us afraid of, of, of a virus. Making us afraid to catch it or to get it or to spread it or any of those things. Are you hearing me? A spirit of terrorism. And a whole host of other ways and things that have been going on in the body of Christ. Spirit of terrorism. Most of the things that we lay hands on in the church is rooted in a, in a spirit of fear. And what the enemy uses fear for is to paralyze our purpose. To cause you and I to think that we can't make a difference, that we won't make an impact. The enemy would like you and I to believe that you and I can't make a difference anymore in our community. But every time I'm driving here and I come up by Pappy's from my house and up Route 40 and I turn off of Main Street and jump on to Connellsville Street and I make that turn, I just say, this neighborhood is the Lord's. This neighborhood is the Lord's. What the enemy meant for evil. God will turn for good. You just start decreeing and declaring the word over that we're not going to allow fear to drive people out. I said, Father, I thank you that you're going to move new people into the area, people that aren't afraid. 
People that aren't here to do evil things, but people that are here to do good things. You just start declaring and decreeing it. Give, give it to the Lord. Are you hearing me? Amen. I drove up by this other property and I said, God, I thank you. We haven't closed yet. And I had anointing oil with me and I just drove through the parking lot and up along the sidewalk and just started dumping anointing oil. I said, Lord, this is the Lord's. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? Because we're not going to allow it to be used for evil. Glory to God. The police were sitting here yesterday and I pulled in and they were doing a sting operation and I can't say much more about it, but they were in unmarked cars and doing their things with their binoculars. And he said, are you the priest? I said, well, I'm the preacher. I'm not the priest. But I said, yeah. He said, well, we're just doing some undercover work. He said, what? I said, just be right back. I came in the church. I grabbed a bottle of oil. I went out in the parking lot and we, I, I walked down that side over there. And he's looking at me. I said, I just thought I'd anoint the neighborhood to remind the enemy that this is the Lord's. He looked at me like I was totally crazy. He said, oh, I know another preacher like you. In other words, I thought, another fanatic. This is the Lord's. Uh-huh. We have to decree and declare. We're not going to allow a spirit of fear to keep us from accomplishing our purpose. Hallelujah. A spirit of fear meaning terror or panic or anxiety or dread. Come on. So many of people and in the body of Christ were on anxiety meds and, 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 and depending on them because of a spirit of fear, because of intrepidation and phobias. Hallelujah. A spirit of fear. Tell me this is not true. When we as a nation have $1.6 billion in cash stashed in our church or in our cushions of our couch and under our beds, fear. Hallelujah. Now to the text. I had to lay that down for you to help you to understand the fullness of where we are. God's purpose and his plan for you. Because see, I, I, I am not a victim of my circumstances. My circumstances are a victim to the God in me. That's why I have to lay all that down. I have to remind you who you are. Remind you that what is in you is greater than what's going on around you. Come on, somebody. Remind you that, that, that God in you is greater than all the things going on around you and I. That we will not be defeated. That the devil is a liar. Hallelujah. We need reminding of those things. That, that when you and I are facing opposition, it doesn't matter what a doctor says or what a bank says. It doesn't matter what people say about you and I. The God in me is greater and bigger and mightier than all the things going on around around you and I. Hallelujah. And so I'm sharing all of that to remind you that God has a bigger plan and God has a bigger purpose. And he has given you a voice and he wants you to use it to speak against those things that are coming against you. Stand up to the enemy. Stand up to poverty in our neighborhood. Stand up to our government when we need to and say you'll lie. Stand up to them and say we will not fear. Amen. You will not make me afraid. Amen. Even the Bible says that we're not be afraid by the terror by night night. Amen. We have to have a word to speak. The church, are you hearing me? Now more than ever that we're going to sing, O Baron. We're going to emit a clear and, and, and clarion sound when we need to. We're going to have something to say. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. In other words, God wants the church to stand up against every Tobiah that tries to raise its head and bring fear upon the body of Christ for such a time as this. God wants us to take back everything that's been taken from us. Now, in 1 Samuel 30, uh -huh, I told you I'd get there. David was greatly distressed. We're going to move quick, I promise. David was greatly distressed. My God. Discouraged. So much so that the Bible says they wept until they had no more power or strength to weep. But it goes on and says that David encouraged himself. 
What's that mean? Or David strengthened himself. It means to reach down deep within you. How many of you know that sometimes when you and I need encouragement or need help, there's not a person that's breathing on the earth that can give you what you need. There is a lesson to be learned here. So many times we're reaching outward for help and God wants you and I to reach inward. This is a time, hey, come on, this is a time. This is why when the Bible says that everything that can be shaken will be, it's because God can't have a bunch of people that are leaning on one another to get their strength and validation from. God needs you and I to be able to reach within ourselves. I don't need you to tell me to tell me I look nice. I already know. I don't need you to tell me that was this or this was that or preacher or good preacher or that was this. Or I don't need people to, to puff me up here because what God has been trying to do is get rid of people who need that this is what I'm telling you in other words this is a time where God's trying to grow the church up and say don't lean on somebody else to give you a word or speak something to you those days are over friend we are in the last days these are perilous times and God needs you to be like David David encouraged himself he reached down within himself he had to pick himself up off of the floor it means to fasten upon something what fasten upon what fasten upon a promise fasten upon a vision that's why the Bible says that the people need to have a vision and without it you'll perish every church you didn't have a vision it's gone boom big churches didn't make it through COVID because they didn't have a vision they had a party but they didn't have a vision they had entertainment but they didn't have vision you got to be able to fasten upon yourself. To, 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 to encourage yourself, you have to reach beyond disappointment. That's what it means. Reach beyond disappointment. Reach beyond depression. And so what it means is, is it's you and I. You and I have to make up our mind that we're going to encourage ourselves. It means you and I have to make up our mind to encourage ourselves. When the Bible says that they were so greatly distressed, but David encouraged himself in the Lord. When I read that, the Lord said, notice, it wasn't until David encouraged himself that he got high enough to hear from God. Are you hearing me? You and I sometimes have to encourage, maybe it means you're praying. Maybe it means you're just singing a little song. Maybe it means you were literally going to prayer and you're like, God, stir me up. Maybe you're praying in the spirit to yourself. I don't know. Sometimes it just requires me to just start praying in the spirit all by myself, nobody around, to just stir me up, to wake me up, to shake me out of the funk that I get in. So whatever you and I have to do, we have to encourage ourselves. But notice that David, when he encouraged himself, that's when he got high enough that he was able to hear from God. Up to this point, he hadn't heard from God yet. You got to be able to encourage yourself. Don't stop expecting your spouse to encourage you. Not that they can't, but you and I have to have the ability to encourage ourselves. I've been through too much. Many of us have been through too much to put the full weight of our recovery on one other person. Oh my God. My story is too ugly and too big to put that kind of weight on any one person. Uh-huh. And if you and I would get honest enough about us and where we've been, your story is quite ugly. It would make a real good Lifetime movie. It would make an awesome blockbuster movie. Come on. Some of us would be billionaires if our life story went to, to Hollywood. Amen. I mean, you all, would, you all would be like, huh? If you watched mine, your mouth would drop to the floor, but I'd be rich. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. 
but I can't put the full weight of my recovery on any one person. That's why David encouraged himself. David understood I've been through too much. I've already fought through too much. I can't lean all this weight that I'm feeling upon anybody else. There's nobody else that can do what I know I can do all by myself because David knew that he could trust in the God that was within him far more than he could rely on anyone else. The Bible, the text that we read there in 1 Samuel 30 said that Ziglag was attacked and on fire. Now, what, what part we didn't read is Ziglag is where David left his children and his wives and his livestock. And the, we pick up the text where David and his mighty men roll up on the scene and as they're getting closer, they're smelling the, 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 the smoke in the air. I wonder if anybody else had ever been through something and you didn't know what had happened yet, but it was like you could smell the fire. You just had that feeling. Something ain't right. It, it, something just wasn't sitting right with you. And it wasn't until you rolled up on the scene. So David and his men, they could smell the smoke in the air and they didn't know until they rolled up on the scene. And then David is, is devastated. He and all his men are devastated when they realize the place where they left their wives and their children and their legacies and all their wealth had been burnt to the ground. The Bible says that David was greatly distressed. They, greatly distressed. But that David encouraged himself. And it says after he encouraged himself, David inquired of the Lord. He prayed. And he says one thing to God. He says, Lord, shall I overtake them? Shall I go fight? And God quickly responds and says, God says, surely overtake them and recover all. Here's what I like about that word right there. And I heard God speak something. God said, surely. In other words, yes. And in other words, absolutely. In other words, yes, I'll give you permission to go and, and take back what has been stolen from you. In other words, that God from heaven said, I give you the authorization to go and, and do what needs to be done to pursue and, and to overtake and recover all. See, when I read that and I saw the, the word of God and the God said to David, he said, pursue. Immediately, I received that as a mandate for the church of today. That you and I, if there's one word I hear God speaking, it's to pursue. To pursue. You and I need to be in pursuit of something, not things, not money, not your honey, not anything else. Are you hearing me? We, we come and we want prayer. I need a, I need a spouse. I need this. I need, you need to deal with your ugly, nasty heart. That's what you need to deal with. Then you'll be able to track someone. But until you get rid of that, you, there ain't, God could create something brand new and they wouldn't stay. Are you hearing me? Oh, hallelujah. Aren't you glad you came to church today? See, we always want money and a honey and all of those things in this life. But what God needs you and I to understand about life is he needs you and I to pursue. What is it that you and I are pursuit of? The church needs to be in pursuit. God says, pursue and you shall overtake and recover all oh, my God. See, in other words, God is giving the church of today, this is why I've been sharing everything I'm sharing. God is giving you and I permission to go and go ahead and pursue, to overtake and to recover all. I hope somebody can hear what I'm saying. God has given you and I the authorization. He's saying, okay, now is the time. 
that I need you to pursue what you have lost, what the enemy has taken, when he's taken your health or your money. If he's taken your money or your honey, go ahead and pursue it and I will give it to you. Are you hearing me? He's saying now is the time because in the last days, we will, I'll see how I'm going to bring it together. You're going to face perilous times and dangerous times, but I have raised you up for such a time as this. Hallelujah. I have raised up a prophetic voice that has something to say and in the right hour to say it. That's what God is trying to say. This is the hour. He says, I'm giving you permission to go get what has been taken from you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. See, some of us like the idea of victory, but we get stuck in the pain of what we've lost. See, I'll shout like the rest of you when, when I start hearing that God's about to give me victory. We'll shout about it when we're here together, but when we leave and we're confronted with the real pain of what we've lost, we'll cower down when it comes up against that pain. And, and we're, not, we're not in that victory mode anymore. It's easy to be in victory mode among the saints of God. But what about when I get among the ain'ts and not the saints? Oh, God. Oh, come on. All of us have some ain'ts in our life. Don't, don't, don't sit there and act like even some of the people we worship with aren't dead before they wake up in the morning. I mean, most churches have dead people. And you've heard me say the reason most churches were built with a graveyard outside is because we don't have far to carry you. Oh, they're dead. Carry them outside. Oh, God. Some of you get that next year. It's a dangerous thing to be buried in a church graveyard. The real resurrection power of God begin to hit. Just saying. We're going to recover all. See, what, what does the enemy, the reason David had to encourage himself is because the enemy wants you and I to believe in the smoke and the fire more than the word of God. Imagine what it must have been like to gallop them on, ride up on the smoke and the fire of the city where your children and your wives and your livestock and your treasures are. And see it burn to the ground. But some of us already know what that's like. When we lose everything that we thought we knew or life gets turned upside down and we're living in a life and we can smell the smoke and the fire and we, we, the word says one thing, but with the light that I'm looking at, man, it's like zigzag burned to the ground. And the enemy does whatever he can to get you and I to believe in that smoke and that fire. Way more than I can the word of God. That's why the Bible says that David encouraged himself in the Lord. See, some of you and I right now, you're hearing this word, but, but you're also confronted in the same moment with the smoke and the fire of your zigzag. Because your life don't look like what the word of God says. But God has given you and I a word. He needs you and I to, to get down and encourage ourselves in the Lord because he's given us a mandate to pursue. Despite the smoke and the fire of the city, God had given a word. He said, I, you pursue and you shall overtake them and recover all. 
See, it was absolutely pivotal that David encouraged himself in the Lord. Otherwise, he would have heard what God said and done nothing with it. Kind of like we do sometimes. We'll get a word from God. Come on, I know I'm telling the truth because the church of Jesus Christ in America would be so much further along than where we are and the glory and the power of God would be operating in a tremendous, an unimaginable way if we had done what we've been told all through the years. Amen. But because we hear one thing and do another, it's been held off a while. But God has said that he needs you and I to pursue and we shall surely overtake them and that we will recover all. Hallelujah. And God wants you and I to know that we will recover all. He needs you and I to get tired of the enemy messing with us. He needs you and I to kick the terrorist spirit out of our life. He needs the church to rise up and chase the terroristic spirit out of our nation. And it means if we got to go to Washington, D.C. and start casually anointing every building, then let's go. We'll take the yellow bus and go. You, you think I'm joking. We might get arrested. I don't know. But we, are you hearing what I'm saying? The church has got to be radical enough. We've got to be willing enough and say, look, we, we have been under this. The enemy has caused me to not live the life that God you've called me to live because I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what could come. What if I lose it all again? God, what if they walk out of my life again? God, I can't go through another bankruptcy. God, I can't go through uh, financial stress like that again. God, I can't go through another another." Uh, uh, health scare like that again God needs you and I to be able to know who it is that we are and pursue what we need to pursue and drive out every terroristic spirit that tries to to come up against us remember in the text the Bible says that it was the Amalekites who did it I've told you and over and over the Amalekites always represent your past the Amalekites are the same people that they only attack you when you're in a weak place in a vulnerable moment isn't that how the enemy does? The enemy always comes to attack you when you're in a weak moment and a vulnerable place. There's even some people in your life, they only sh raise their head back in your life when you're in a weak moment. You're like, what in the world did they text me for today? It's because you're in a weak moment. Uh-huh. They're an Amalekite. Better watch them. And the Malachites always attack from behind. And I heard the Lord say, I said, Lord, why is it that they always attack from behind? He said, it's because the enemy has nothing on your future. You need to understand right now what the Lord is saying. The reason God told David, I'm talking to somebody right now. The reason that God told David, pursue, go after them and overtake them. And the reason God told him that is because he needed him to understand that they had nothing on his future. You, you need to just settle whatever battles you have been through, whatever you have lost, that is over. But now God is setting up the time where he is telling you and I to pursue, overtake, and for you and I to recover all that we've lost in this life. Hallelujah. All that we've lost in this life. He told him, you're going to recover all. The enemy has nothing on your future. I hope I'm talking to somebody. Listen what the Amalekites took. The Amalekites took his children, his wives, and his livestock. Hallelujah. His wives represented his encouragement. His children represented his future, and his livestock represented his wealth. The enemy always comes to take your encouragement, your future. Hallelujah. And your wealth. 
remember what God just said. The enemy has nothing on your future. He can try to take it. He can try to mess with it. But you will pursue and you will recover all that has been taken from you. Hallelujah. He reached down. He encouraged himself. Hallelujah. He inquired of the Lord. Hallelujah. In other words, the church is the institution to recover all. God wants you and I to know we are the people that God has chosen for such a time as this to recover all. One of the things that is great about the text, and I, I'm going to wrap it up, the thing that is great about the text is, notice when, when we got near the end of the text, the Bible says there were 600 men, but then 200 stayed behind and only 400 went with him. When they got in and they overcame the Amalekites and they defeated and they recovered their wives and their children and their livestock and their treasures, the text goes on to say that the 400 men that were with them, they wanted to split it up among themselves and David said no. We're going to split it up among everybody. Even the ones who couldn't have the strength to come with us. Because David knew what it was to be in a place where he had to encourage himself. And he said, although they didn't have the ability to encourage themselves, I want them to have the blessing and I want them to have the ability to recover everything that they've lost. Even though they didn't have the ability to recover all, are you, are you hearing what I'm saying? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Hallelujah. They, they recovered it all. And they didn't just split it up among themselves of those who made it, but they, they, they split it up among all those who didn't. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, there's one other point I got to point out to you because I think it's powerful and imperative for the body of Christ. That's why I said it's, it, all of that I shared earlier was prophetic, but so is this right here. There's a point where David was so low and the Bible says he was so greatly distressed and that the men that he was with was so greatly distressed. Remember the text it said that the men had thought of stoning him. See, we focused all, most of this time focused on the fact that they went with him and they thought about, what about that one scripture right there in the middle where it says, but the people who did go and fight with him thought of stoning him. See, they were so distressed and so wounded and so hurt and so devastated. Mm -hmm. The men that were with David thought of stoning him. Notice something about David that even while David was confronted with the possibility that these men were going to try to stone him and kill him, Bible says that he got down and encouraged himself, stirred himself up, reminded himself of vision, reminded himself of who he was in God. As he inquired of the Lord and he said, Lord, shall I overtake him? And God says, yes, you and your men. You don't see anywhere where God says, yeah, but God, they, they want to kill me. This is what's awesome about David is David didn't have time to be petty. David didn't have time to be petty. See, you've heard me say, well, you and I can be pitiful or powerful, but we can never be both. Uh-huh. He didn't have time to have a pity party and say, well, God, I'm not going because they wanted to stone me. I'm not going to fight with these people. That's what we do. When people make us mad or people raise up against us, how many of us want to join arms and go to battle or work together in the kingdom? 
See, many times in the, in the reason we haven't prevailed and the reason we haven't gotten, we haven't been able to, 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 to prevail in the areas and where we've been trying to prevail is because the church has been too busy being petty. And so because of our pettiness, we haven't been able to prevail. That's good right there. And if you and I are petty, it will destroy your purpose. Please don't ignore and miss what I'm telling you right now as we prepare to close right here. If you and I are petty, it, it, it will destroy our purpose. If you and I are petty, we will not be able, to be able to prevail over what we're trying to overcome. In other words, do you have the capacity to let people in that you and I have locked out? Oh my God, did it get quiet, Brother Terry? We are really good about locking people out of our life. In this life, we can unfriend them and block them on Facebook. I can block them on my phone now. Thank you, Jesus. And all of those great things, I can see you in Walmart and turn my head and act like I never even saw you. Hallelujah. We're good. We're professionals. But what if David had been petty like we are? What if David, when he rode up, and he saw the devastation in his wives and his children and his livestock and all of his treasure and his future gone. And then these men were so mad at him and they thought it's because of you that we lost everything. And all of these men were greatly distressed and they circled around him and they talked of stoning him. And what if, what if then after he'd encouraged himself and God spoke and said, no, go overtake him. And David said, no, go yourself, God. These men rose against me. They, they're, they're talking about me, God. They're, they hurt me. They offended me. Oh, come on. If David had, had gotten petty, we know the end of the story. He never would have never been able to pursue. He never would have been able to stay in his purpose. He never would have prevailed. Do you know how many things that we have lost out on? How many things that have gotten delayed, but they've not been denied, but they've been delayed because we have gotten petty? Come on, there are, there are churches in our neighborhood that won't link arms with me because they don't like me because I'm too spiritual or because I'm too bold and I tell them things they don't want to know or because or, or we're tongue talkers, spirit-filled, Bible-linked preachers or they just don't like me. Do you know? They don't want to link arms because they want to build their church and their kingdom. And if we're not careful, we'll be like that too. Oh my God, it got quiet. Do you know how many people in our families that we're not talking to, but God is bringing this word saying the only way you're going to be able to pursue and accomplish is if you're willing to stop being petty right now. I need you to grow up and I need you to be big. I need you to put on your big boy and big girl panties and I need you to come with me, God's saying, because the only way we're going to overtake, how are we ever going to reach this city if we can't reach our families? My God, I'm preaching good. God's not negating that they didn't hurt you. God's just saying, I need you to forgive them like I forgave you. God's saying, don't, don't, I'm not asking you to ignore it. I'm not asking you to open yourself up to be hurt again. I'm just saying, stop being petty. It's bigger than you. It's bigger than you. Hallelujah. 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 Church, in other words, God's saying, hey, until you're willing to make up, you can't move on. You want your marriage to move on, make up. Oh. 
What I love about God is sometimes he just has to, needs you to be willing to let them go and let it go. And you can move on together. Doesn't mean you always move on together, but at least you can move on. Hallelujah. So David had to fight alongside the men who were going to stone him. Hallelujah. There's so much in this text I told you. The only other thing that really fascinated me is the Bible says that David comes across the little Egyptian slave. That the Amalekites had discarded. And that young slave says, I'll take you where your treasure is. I'll lead you right to it if you promise not to kill me. And you promise not to turn me over to them. David didn't have any reason to trust him and the slave didn't have any reason to trust David. And the Lord said, tell the church. He said, I want you to, to tell the church to stop allowing themselves to be afraid or leery or weary over the new people that I bring into their life. Because God will use the new people that he introduces you to to lead you to your treasure. To lead you to your purpose. Oh, God. Because sometimes we're a little bit standoffish and quiet, not sure how to take people. We, we don't know what their agendas are. And God says, yeah, but if you do that, you won't be able to, they'll never be able to lead you to your purpose. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? We got to stop worrying about and thinking more and worrying about what has been done to us that it'll be done again. And utilize the resources that God has put in your path. There's some new people he's brought into your life. And they're going to help you reach your treasure. They're going to help you take back what has been taken from you. Are you hearing me? This is a word for somebody in this place. I know that you and I have been hurt and we have been wounded throughout time like David. God said, this isn't one of those times. This is a time where I've assembled and I'm connecting you to people so that you can recover what you've lost. So that you can get back what was taken from you. Hallelujah. See, we're going to recover all that has been taken, not just from us, but from our city. And when we recover all, we're not just going to recover all and, and divide it up amongst ourselves. We're going to recover it and divide up amongst the people in our community that we can't, that wasn't able to go along with us for the fight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. God, we have a battle before breakthrough, but breakthrough's coming. There's an offensive thrust that is happening that God is bringing forth. And it's, it, we're, we're pushing beyond. We're pushing against what is pushing against us. Hallelujah. Will you stand to your feet right now in this place? There's a battle before breakthrough. I have to stop right there. Have to, have to. Good Lord God Almighty. There's so many points to this message that I could bring out and give you an altar call. I thought about ending it on a real high note. You could leave and shout. Lord, I'm not going to stop until I recover my destiny. You know, God, I won't stop till I get my money back. God, I'm not going to stop until I get my honey back. God, I'm not going to stop until I recover my peace. God, I'm not going to stop till I get my joy. You know, we could be shouting and dancing. But I realized that if we did that, we might do all of it in injustice. 
because I don't want you to feel powerful here and only leave here and be confronted with the smoke and the fire of what is your life. And so this morning, we might need to do like David did. Strengthen ourselves in the Lord. So that we can receive the fullness of the word when God says, pursue. For you shall overtake them and recover all. And that we'd be willing to fight with who's been fighting against us. Mm. Church needs to hear that. We've got to stop fighting amongst ourselves and be willing to fight with. We're so divided as a nation and God needs you and I to fight with and fight for the same things. And so maybe you... Like David driving up on something and all you can see is the smoke and the fire of life. and You need to get down and begin to encourage yourself. Then I want you to do that. You can do it where you are. You can begin to worship God where you are. You can come to the front of this place and just begin to encourage yourself. But that's what I want us to do this morning is encourage yourself that we're not going to live life based in, and believe on the smoke and the fire, but we're going to live life and I'm going to get strengthened in myself. If I have to do it all by myself, if there isn't anybody else in my midst that I, I can rely on or lean on, God, I know that I can do it with you, that what is in me is greater than what's going on around me. So that's what we're going to do this morning as we prepare to close, that we would encourage ourselves in the Lord, that we're going to stir up the strength of God that is on the inside of us. Can we do that this morning? Just begin to strengthen yourself. Stir yourself up. Stir up vision within you. Stir up the prayer life within you. Stir up the areas of need within you, would you? Amen. Let's just begin to, 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 to encourage ourselves in the Lord. Strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Just, just begin to pray. Begin to stir yourself up. If you're back there, if you're coming up here, just begin to do it. Let's just take a few moments and encourage ourselves as I pray with you and for you. Hallelujah. Father, we bless you and God, we thank you. God, we honor you in this moment that God, we, we, we're just grateful for your word that God, we, we can identify with David what it is, oh God, to be in a situation, to be in a circumstance where God, it seems devastating. God, it seems overwhelming. God, there's smoke and fire all around us. But Lord, today we take this opportunity to encourage ourselves in you that Lord, I thank you that Lord, what is going on around us is not any greater than what's going on in us. So, so, Father, we call upon the name of the Lord, the name that is greater than every other name. Father, we need your help. God, we need you to, to reach down deep within us. <clears throat> that God we need you to begin to stir us up Holy Spirit that you would come and begin to do a work within us that God we're not going to be distracted God we're not going to become weary and well doing but God stir us up in this place today that Lord we could receive your word that Lord we'll pursue God what you've called and mandated us to pursue that Lord we will overtake and that Lord we will recover all that Lord we're not going to hear this as just another one of those words that we're never going to see the fruit of but God I receive this today as a mandate from heaven, a word that we will see the fruit from, that God, my days of being petty are over. My days of being petty and, and pitiful are over, that God, I'm going to have purpose. I'm going to pursue my purpose uh, and that God, that we're going to be a people that Lord, we're, we're going to do what you're calling us to do, that God, we're going to join arms with people that we haven't joined arms with before. God, we're going to welcome the new people into our life that Lord are coming into our life, God. We're going to link arms and pursue together this mandate, God, for the body of Christ, for 
such a time as this, for such a time as this, God, we bless you. Lord, we praise you. God, we honor you. Thank you, God. We make ourselves available to you. Strengthen us, oh God. Strengthen us, oh God, down deep within us. God, I thank you as you strengthen us that, God, you'll nurture, you'll heal, God, every deep wound. God, every area of hurt, God, every area of betrayal, there it is. Every area, God, where people have bloodied and battered and bruised us that have caused us to, to hang back and not do much and not get involved. God, I thank you today that you would begin to bring healing and transformation, God, and, and transformation, God, into our lives. That, Lord, we're no longer going to be controlled by what did happen, but, Lord, we're only going to be controlled and directed, God, by where we are going, by what you have called us to pursue. I pray in the name of Jesus. Father, come and touch your people in this place. Touch people online. Touch the people in their chairs and seats and in the front of this building today, God, that we will be a people. We're going to encourage ourselves. I don't need anybody. I don't need any music. I don't need any instruments. I'll just encourage myself. Lord, who you are in me is greater than what's going on around me. I will bless the Lord at all times. Praise will always be upon my lips when a thousand fall at one side and ten thousand at the other. God, it won't come near me because God of who I am in you, you've anointed and you've appointed us for such a time as this. So, Father, we welcome you and we praise you, God, that we get to live in these last days, in these perilous times, that, Lord, you've used us, that, God, we get to be able to bring damage to the enemy and all of hell. So, Father, today I bless you and I praise you. We stir ourselves up and we serve notice to the enemy that I'm here, I'm breathing, and we're going to do damage to your kingdom, devil. We're going to do damage to everything that you've ever taken. We're going to do damage and we're going to take back every person you've ever taken from us. We're going to do damage and we're going to take back every dollar you've ever stole. Devil, we're going to do damage and take back everything that you've ever divided and wreaked havoc on for this nation, for our city, for our families, for our lives. And so we serve notice to you, devil, that we're here, that we're breathing, and that God has anointed us and appointed us for these perilous times that we're in. And we will sing. We may be injured. We may have come in limping, but we're going to emit a clear clarion sound and we're going to have something to say against you devil so God we bless you Lord we thank you God we honor you in this place today God for your word and what you're going to accomplish today through it God I thank you that we're going to pursue we're going to overtake and that God we will recover all in the name of Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus Christ now Father we're going to leave this place and I pray that God you'll bless and multiply giving and tithes and offerings God I pray that you would bring increase to the giver bring increase to this house. God, help us to do and accomplish more. Let today be the beginning, Lord, of us recovering. Recovering what has been taken. Recovering what has been lost. Recovering what has been stolen in the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for financial overflow in the lives of people. God, I pray for favor in areas and, and areas, God, where they never thought it would come. And I pray that, God, mistakes would be found that are going to send them un, 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 unexpected checks and, and mailing deposits. God, I thank you in the name of Jesus that, Lord, only God, you can do it. So return everything that has been stolen in the name of Jesus. God will give you the glory. God will give you the honor and I thank you that Lord you will do a chain of events in their life that will be unstoppable and it begins now why because we inquired of the Lord because we're willing to stop being petty and be purposeful and because God we're willing to welcome the people that you've introduced into our lives and join and link arms with people in the name of Jesus we're going to walk and march and pursue with purpose in the name of Jesus God we give you the glory and the honor and the praise Church, would you shout amen? Amen, amen. amen. amen.
Hallelujah. Go out this week. Go out this week and pursue with purpose. Amen. Remember, every time you, you get confronted, you're going to stop being petty. You're going to hear that all week long. The Lord's going to remind you, don't be petty. Don't be petty. Don't be petty. That's how you're going to have victory. Have a blessed week, everybody, in Jesus' name.